Welcome to the Painting Experience Podcast for August 2015. On the podcast, founder Stuart Cubley explores the potential of the emerging field of process arts and shares inspiration from his ongoing workshops and retreats. In this episode, Stuart tells part two of his own story, how he left his path as a scientist to follow a call that led him first into the Alaskan woods and then to the discovery of the painting experience. In my last podcast, I was walking down the trail to the road after having lived by myself in the woods for the last three and a half years in Alaska. And now I was leaving off on a new adventure, not sure of really what was going to become of me. I didn't know who I was any longer in terms of my relationship to the world. I felt very grounded in my internal sense of who I was, but what was going to become of me? Where was I going to go? I mentioned that I had a hard time reading when I was living alone in those last three years. And it was because reading, whether fiction or nonfiction, pulled me away from my immediate experience, and I found confusing and and somehow really not satisfying. Even spiritual books were disturbing to me. There was a subtle or not-so-subtle emphasis upon attainment and achievement and arriving someplace, whether it was the carrot of enlightenment or some other state of being, there was a place to get to. And I, f- I found this disturbing, and, and it didn't feel true to me. There was something that felt shallow about it. There was one person that I could read during that time, and it, and it was a man named Krishnamurti. I found that his writings spoke to me in a very, very different way. They actually opened the space for me rather than closed it down. And there was no feeling of false achievement or trying to accomplish some internal state without denying the existence of the potential within us. For example, one of his quotes, which really spoke to me so strongly during that time, There is no way to the other shore. There is no action, no behavior, no prescription that will open the door to the other. It is not an evolutionary process. It is not at the end of a discipline. It cannot be bought or given or invited. I just found this to open great space in me, which essentially allowed me to feel like I had everything I needed. The richness of my own psyche was far enough for me to spend a life of exploration that there wasn't some standardized map to follow and comparison to be made and stereotypical states to be reached that it could be purely my own journey. He went on to say, if this is clear, If the mind has forgotten itself and no longer says the other bank or this bank, if the mind has stopped groping and searching, if there is emptiness and space in the mind itself, then and only then is it there. 
this was very helpful to me. And I realized that as I was preparing to leave my safe little forest, that what I really would like to do is to hear Krishnamurti speak. And so that became my goal. That was really my only goal as I left. I didn't know what what happened beyond that, but I knew that I would be going to Switzerland where Krishnamurti would hold forth every summer in a little town called Sanen. And I found my way there, and with my backpack and tent and sleeping bag and very little money, hitchhiking where I could through Europe and sleeping in my tent, and impacted, of course, by coming out of my years of solitude and then finding myself in this midst of culture and a mixture of languages and people that I really didn't understand, but it was very, very exhilarating. I found my way to this little town in the mountains where Krishnamurti would speak three days a week in this big tent set up outside of town. And people from all over the world would come. I found the experience very inspiring and the organization very clean. Krishnamurti early on had been groomed to be the world teacher by the Theosophical Society. And there was this huge organization called the Order of the Star that was built for him to take control of as he came out as a young spiritual teacher in his 20s. And he was destined to become the world teacher. And there was thousands of people in this organization waiting for him to take the helm and to bring them to the epiphanies that awaited them and that were being promised to them through this arrival of the world teacher. And in probably one of the most inspiring and brave moments that I personally feel very moved by, Krishnamurti, at the moment of his inauguration, with thousands of people gathered, gave the keynote address, and it became known as the dissolution of the Order of the Star, in which he essentially stepped down and dissolved the organization and very detailed way exposed the abuses and the corruption in the organization and the hierarchy, the whole shame of spiritual authority and the falseness of the hope built into that kind of structure. And he started off his talk, The Dissolution of the Order of the Star, with the phrase, Truth is a pathless land. Krishnamurti went on from there and created a very simple and clean way for him to bring his thoughts into the world. And he was not a guru. He would not take disciples. He didn't appoint an heir. He traveled and spoke to people and essentially was useful in the ways that he could be. He was just about being useful. And so this was really a dream come true to be able to be there and to participate in this and to be part of this community of very, very interesting people who were all drawn to the same message. And when I first arrived, I needed a place to stay on my limited budget. And I found that the Krishnamurti Foundation had requisitioned 
a old army barracks, a Swiss army barracks, on the river across from the train depot in Saunen. And when I went there to inquire about a place to stay, I was asked if I would be willing to manage the barracks during the times of the talks. And one evening, a group arrived from France, and among them was a young woman with her young son. They all needed rooms. It was for men, but I bent the rules and found a place for Michelle and her son to stay. And the long and the short of it is, a few years later, we were married and living in San Francisco. To my surprise, I found myself not going back to my cabin in Alaska, although for quite some time I kept feeling I was headed there, but there was something that held me. Michelle was an artist and a painter, and we were hosting painting classes in our tiny little third-story apartment off of Haight Street in San Francisco, and I would have to pull the mattress out from our bedroom, which was on the floor, into the living room just to make space for a makeshift studio set up. And people would come and paint in the evenings. And to be an extra body, I would participate because the classes were tiny. I mean, sometimes two or three people. And it made them look a little bigger if at least... I was there, and and Michelle's son, when he would come and and live with us in the summer. So in the beginning, it was something I was doing to support these painting classes, but I began to recognize something. I began to see that the solitude that I had craved and had drawn me into the woods was something that I was actually experiencing in the painting process. To my surprise, and in this medium, which was really not mine at all, at least in my mind, I was experiencing a contact and a depth and a sense of going beyond myself that I knew from my time alone, but I had never expected to find it in such an unusual circumstance and medium. So I became very intrigued by this painting process, and despite my resistance to it, sometimes I tell people, if I can do process painting, anyone can. Because I had a lot of resistance to it in the beginning. It was too frivolous and childish and not suiting for a young man finding his way and his destiny in the world. So it took me, I must say, a number of years to really come around. But The fact was, people from all walks of life were being drawn to this little apartment off of Haight Street, mostly through word of mouth, where people found it helpful and interesting and unusual. At a certain point, I took over a class at the French-American Bilingual School, and for five years, I taught process painting to first, second, and third graders. This was really an important period for me because I got to experience what it means to teach without the fear of judgment from adults. Sometimes I feel like I would just put my foot in my mouth so badly and make all these huge errors and say the wrong thing, and the kids would forget, and they were happy to see me the next week. 
And so it gave me a certain amount of freedom. And then when I began to make the transition and work more directly with adults, uh, I realized, hey, adults are just big kids. They still have kidness in them. And actually, it's my job as the facilitator of the painting experience to give permission to that kidness, to, to give permission to that original creativity that still is there at the core. And I think it was about this time that I remembered the vision that I'd had as a young man in the cabin of a room filled with color and light and people and uh, exciting energy. And it became clear to me that this was really my calling. Unexpectedly, my calling. In my next podcast, I'll explore some of the challenges I faced in embracing a life based on process rather than product. You can learn more about the painting experience and find a list of upcoming process painting workshops by visiting our website at www.processarts.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. The theme music for this podcast comes from Stefan Jacob. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join us again soon.